0: Welcome to this week's edition of the Risings One Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Blau, and I'll take you through today's episode. We have a great episode for you today. We're going to start off with Kyle and Dom's recap of the Phoenix Rising versus San Antonio season opener in San Antonio. That'll be followed by some team news and the Firebirds soccer calendar, a Western Conference preview with, with, again, Kyle and Dominic, and we're going to close the episode with an interview with Peter Ramage defensive-minded coach from Phoenix Rising. Without further ado, here's Dominic Kearns and Kyle Mackey.
1: Welcome to this week's episode of the Rising is One pod. This is Dominic here with Kyle Mackey. How are you doing, Kyle?
2: Oh, you know, as we talked about earlier, I think we're both still recovering from last night. Um, I watched the match here at home, but my voice is, is still a little hoarse from, from screaming at my TV for 90-plus minutes. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm doing well. We got a result last night, and that's really all we could ask for.
1: Well, is it all we can ask for? I think we can ask for a little bit more from that defense.
2: <laughs> no, you're, you're absolutely right. And, I mean, not uh, a lot will say not a deserved result, but, you know, somehow we were able to walk out of San Antonio uh, level terms. But, yeah, the defense, I mean, wow.
1: Well, we'll, we'll get into that later. But um, before we start, um, I mean, first match, regular season match on the CW, which you could see everywhere, including at the Arizona Sports Complex, which has soccer leagues for people of all ages. They also do birthday cup parties, um, events. So definitely check them out and let them know that the Rising is One Pod sent you. Um, with that being said, what were your thoughts on the broadcast?
2: You know, I really think it is a great improvement upon last season. I think the production value has increased greatly. Um, just, you know, seeing all the, the little the little new um, designs that the USL Championship has come up with and that CW has been incorporating into the broadcast. I also have to say, a lot more Phoenix Rising commercials and of our, our local sponsors seeing their advertising. it's It's really cool getting to see a broadcast that seems to be fully focused on just Phoenix rising and promoting this club. I mean, it's, it was week one last night, but I really think they started off great. And I think there will be some improvements as the season goes on. For sure.
1: Um, But anyways, let's, let's get into the match itself. Um, A match that was made a little bit more enjoyable with the commentary, but um, you know, both teams come out. This is a, Hotly anticipated matchup. Um, our starting eleven looks like Carl Wozinske in the back of the net. Then we have four in the back with Dumbaya, Mala, Batista, Dia. Um, definitely a talking point there. Um, in the midfield, we had Aginaga, Kavan Lambert in the middle, um, and then James Musa on the right side. Junior Flemings as kind of that attacking midfielder on the left. Solo as the attacking mid on the right, and Adam John up top. So it was technically classified as a 4-5-1 but a lot of movement in those positions. What were your
2: thoughts on the Batista-Mala center back pairing? I had to double check and reload my phone and make sure that I was seeing correctly because I, I think I'm most definitely not the only person to say that seeing these two starting in the first match of the season was a great surprise Mala, a player that we did not see a whole lot of in the preseason, and we all know that he does have um, frailties at times. And then Batista, a player that all of us were very high on, but we still see he is so raw and so young, and to see him get the start after just being loaned to Phoenix this past week, um, very, very surprising.
1: Yeah, he um, he was one of those guys that maybe didn't have the scouting report on Billy Forbes as much as a Joe Farrell would have. And so that was kind of surprising to me. Like, why wouldn't you put in experienced center backs who know, you know, especially on that, on that left center back's side where Billy Forbes is attacking on that side, put Joe Farrell in there because he had those training sessions against Billy. He knows what to do. Instead of you see Billy Forbes cut inside on the left and there's no tracking and he's able to put that banger in. Or later in the second half, He's able to get to the touchline because Batista's flat-footed. That's something where that experience makes a difference.
2: It, it makes a huge difference, and I, I agree with you completely. To have Joe Farrell out there would have been such a huge asset. His, his knowledge of Billy Forbes and the way he plays and how he likes to shoot, I think that... I, I, you know, We can all look back and say that he could have stopped the goal. It's possible. It's possible he doesn't get there in time. But I, I think that him being aware with Billy's tendencies, um, it would have helped in spades. And I mean, it's just it really, really was kind of confusing to me to not see Farrell in the 18 at all. Um, but, you know, maybe, as you said, off air, maybe, you know, Sean's talked to him and said, you know, this week we're going to try something different. We got a home opener next week and we'll get you in then. So, you know, maybe that's the case we'll we'll have to see. But, yeah, I mean, just really, it's kind of concerning going up against an opponent that we know so well, but putting a player in there that doesn't have the experience, as you said. Right.
1: Something to look out for in future weeks. But let's get right into this action because there was a lot of action. So right out of the gates, Antonio is just pushing up the field. Um, they have a first-minute header that misses. Um, they have in the fifth minute, or no, in the in the third minute, excuse me, um, Jack Barnby, um kind of attacks us on the left wing, gets a good shot off. Carl's able to save it, but the rebound spills to Guzman. Looks like they're up 1-0. Thankfully for us, he was off sides and it was the correct call. But already you can see that they're opening these gaps. And shortly afterwards, Guzman makes no mistake. Um, You know, this is a play where Lance Lang, again, is able to get on the end line, you know, beat our defenders and put the ball in the middle. And it's really a tap in for Guzman. Um, So just really shaky, shaky stuff from our defense.
2: Yeah, very shaky. And I mean, uh, just to, to go back to that offsides goal, Um, I mean, it it was clearly offsides, but still, I mean, just a sign of things to come for Phoenix, just, you know, very early giving them that great opportunity. And if you're San Antonio, you know, that probably gave them quite a bit of confidence to to get, you know, an, an offsides goal and uncalled goal so early on because they saw, oh, okay we can score. We can score this fast, this quick. What's to keep us from staying on sides and getting another? and I I mean that's exactly what happened a few minutes later and for Guzman I mean he's just a player he's I feel like throughout his San Antonio career we've seen those kinds of goals from him to where he just he's got great positioning in the box in the middle and just is able to find that touch from Lance Lang and I mean just an easy knock-in tap-in goal I mean and really just split our defense it it showed right there that goal just where our defense's weaknesses were early on well it's just super frustrating
1: because on a rewatch You see, Lang has acres of space on the left side. There are, like... There isn't a defender within five yards of him as he's getting into our 18. So, he's supposed... I mean, is supposed to be over... Well, really, is supposed to be over there, but he is out of position because he likes to go up. So, no one's back on that right-back roll, which means now you have Solomon Asante having to track back. You have other people trying to track back, and... And uh, um, Mala was on Guzman, so now Mala has to run over there, he loses Guzman, and so does Batista, who now has to cover for Guzman. He can't stay on him, Guzman just does a little nice hesitation to get open, and I mean it's, it's training ground stuff, you cannot give them that much space.
2: Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely reminiscent of the training ground. And just to go back to what you said on Dumbaya being out of position there, I mean, it, it's absolutely a you know a negative side to his game and how he wants to get forward and play that attacking uh, right-back position. And, I mean, it's, it's something we are going to have to tighten up. And he's going to have to communicate with his back line and make sure that their spacing is correct. Because, yeah, I mean, like you said, training ground stuff for San Antonio and just almost like training dummies out there for Phoenix. I mean, it really was just too easy.
1: Right. And, um, after that, you know, action was kind of petering out a little bit. There were a couple injuries. Um, I think Solomon went down. I don't know if it was before that or afterwards, but he went down, uh, for a while, which definitely drew the crowd's ire. And I'm not going to lie. It was a little much, um, but yeah, it was even, even it was a little much. Even Tyler Terrence said that he he was doing some gymnastics out there. But
2: <laughs> yeah, but but honestly, I, I, I can't say that that's uh, it's the first time we've seen that from Solo. You know, he, he tends to have those uh, you know, those moments. But it's it's also a part of his game, I think, and it's a, it's a part of the game in Africa, no doubt that that uh that little bit of showmanship and i mean i if if san antonio wants to really get on us i can recall one occasion where jack barby um just simply goes down just to get the call so it, oh, i mean it are happens on us
1: late in it's the first hard. half going for a penalty yes.
2: huh yeah that was yes. that should have been a card for it, it it absolutely should have and i mean by in his defense i mean great positioning on him and to realize hey the referee can't really see if I go down or not, and whether he was actually taken out, and a replay shows he was not. But, uh, I mean, every team does it. Some are more scrutinized than the others, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of annoying to see at times, but it also, I think, makes the game a little bit more fun when you can laugh at it.
1: Yeah, I mean, the thing, too, is, like, sometimes, if you're a small guy, like, you have to draw the official's attention when you are fouled, and he was fouled. But, I mean... I, I've seen him like go down and like exaggerate for a second a couple times. That I don't understand. Like that, that isn't a problem for me as much. This time he was he already did a roll. He already got everyone's attention, and then he did another roll and started grabbing his head, grabbing it. It was,
2: it was a little much, but yeah. No, I mean he he, not to hate on Solo, but he looked like Ricky Bobby out there, <laughs> fire. just put it out, put it out. But uh, you know, I mean, like you said, he's a small guy. <laughs> And we all know he gets fouled an insane amount. So um, for him, maybe you want to show the referee, hey, these guys are getting on me constantly. I'm, I'm taking the brunt of it and my body's getting hurt. You know, maybe that's what he was trying to, to show there and showed it a little much. But uh, we'll move on. We can't let this take up the whole podcast. No. Um, so speaking of solo,
1: in the 22nd minute, we get back on level terms because Asante is able to put in a cross. Mostly out of nothing, like there's not really anyone in the 18 except for Junior Flemings. And so Solo just puts a hopeful ball in. And Flemings does an incredible job to get on the end of this and, you know, just keep it on target too, because it really, like, did not look like there was anything of substance that was going to come from this. Um, You know, good ball in, but still, Flemings had a lot of work to do. He puts it on target. And, you know, maybe Cardone should have done better in the goal for San Antonio because it goes off his palms. I think he was just so surprised that that wasn't taken care of by Yarrow back there, the San Antonio center back.
2: Well, I mean, what are your thoughts on that goal? I mean, yeah, definitely a nothing play. But for me, this is a play that you see – a goal that you see scored so often in the Premier League and in the top leagues that – high quality finishing teams are able to take these almost nothing plays and convert them into goals and that's exactly what we saw there I mean a good ball in by Asante but all the effort there from Flemings and yeah I mean definitely caught Cardoni off guard as you said he could have made the save I think you know he just wasn't ready for it caught him off and like you said kind of went off his palm and went up and over him into the net and um I mean just a great goal I think that That really right there, it surprised me. I mean, I'm sitting there on the couch expecting, okay, we're down 1-0 early. When's it going to be 2-0, 3-0? When are we going to, you know, just get this over with? But to see Fleming's respond so quickly, you know, two guys just connecting and making something happen, it was really encouraging, I think, not just for, you know, me as a Phoenix Rising fan, but for the boys on the field to get back on level terms and say, okay, we've got a clean slate. Let's restart. Let's reset and get this game back on track.
1: Yeah, for sure, it's it's a big-time response because you last season we would go down on the road and it would be really tough for us to come back. Um, one one small thing, it was Kai Green, the defender that uh, Fleming's outmuscled to get on the end okay. of that cross. So, uh, no no stains on Yarrow's name just yet, uh, if any <laughs> San Antonio listeners are out there. So it went on as one-one. Um, you know, not too much. End to end super exciting action in the next 10 15 minutes. Things kind of calmed down because it was going at breakneck speed those first 25 minutes or so. Um, Kevon Lambert gets the yellow card started in the 33rd minute. Um, you know, Musa has a chance in the 36th minute, but then San Antonio, right after um, the attempted PK dive that goes nowhere, they do get that second goal. And it's Billy Forbes that gets things started. So he gets a pass. He's outside the 18. Amadou Dia tries to slide in and intercept. He just misses it. And then that leaves, you know, now it's a scramble situation. Forbes has the ball on his left foot, Batista marking him, and he doesn't realize that Forbes can cut it on his left foot and rip it like that. And so he doesn't think Forbes can do it, and then Forbes does it. He hits a banger. I mean, to be fair, absolute banger of a shot. Um, he had like a split second to do that between Kavon and and uh, and Batista, but he he pulled the trigger and he scored it.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, very messy, like, to, to you know, slingshot that ball in such a tight position. Definitely caught Carl off guard, no question about it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, very, very surprising. But, I mean, I think it's also something that if if you watch this game and you knew Billy Forbes – it really wasn't that much of a surprise that Billy was going to get on a score sheet. Um, but yeah, to see it happen like that. I mean, one of the goals that I know watching his film last year, when he came from San Antonio, he scored a lot of goals like that for San Antonio. And I think this season it'll probably continue for him. And he even had a couple goals like that for us last year. I, I
1: believe he scored the game winner against St. Louis was a long shot that he yep. put in really hard. But, um, and I think he scored a good one against San Antonio on a similar
2: kind of effort yes he did yep he did um and i i mean it it's and that's the thing with billy i think there was just such high expectations on him coming into phoenix and then just his style didn't exactly fit with our system he was never able to get a strong footing into the starting 11 and things just didn't work out and honestly i can say i have no ill will towards him i hope he has great success success in San Antonio because seeing a player of his quality happy and playing his best soccer that's ultimately what everyone wants and yeah even though the goal was against us I agree with you it was a beautiful goal and one of very high quality yeah
1: kind of an interesting thing too if you're looking at it tactically he was mostly attacking on the right wing that match Uh, maybe that's a smart move to take advantage of Batista not having experience against him but remember last year he was mostly coming up the left wing Maybe with Solomon, that yep. goes to him not fitting our system, where Solomon had to be the guy on the right, and then that forced him to play maybe on the side he wasn't as
2: effective in. That's, that's actually something that was running through my mind during the game, seeing him tear it up on that right side. and, and I mean, it, it makes sense. A left-footed guy on the right side, he's going to get those shots just like Billy scored, and we never saw that on the Phoenix squad from Billy and it, yeah, maybe it was, you know, he was a victim of Asante's success on the right and you know, he was not in his favored position and it just didn't allow him to get that touch when he liked it on his left foot. And, um, I mean that, yeah, that definitely could have explained a lot of, a lot of his performances last season. He was,
1: he was very Robin esque at times yesterday, just a yes. constant nuisance on that wing. You never know where he's going to go. Um, so lethal with that in cut but you can't for sure do that because otherwise he'll just take you down to the byline and put it in and he did both those things and got involved in other chances thankfully that was the only goal he scored and moments later we found an equalizer um, what can you say about Junior Flemings on this goal I mean John gets credit for it but this is the Flemo show
2: what did you see on this yep. equalizer Uh, Yeah, I mean, the connection between Flemings and John is just blossoming. I mean, we're seeing it against the Timbers, against San Antonio. And I mean, it's just it's so great to see this effort from Flemings, a player who I can admit I'd heard of him, you know, heard murmurings of him with Tampa Bay, but didn't really see much of him, didn't expect him to come in and have this big of an impact. And I really think he is going to be our guy out there on the left this year. I mean, just a workhorse. I think it was Devin Kerr who was talking about it. The guy just does not quit. He's always working, always going back, fights for every single ball. And this is another situation to where he he makes something out of nothing, plays a quick one-two with Aguanaga, which I love, by the way. I mean, just that quick pass, that just unlocks defenses like no other. And then that just ball across the box catches Jan, who's almost stumbling to put the ball on the back of the net, but the ball doesn't get lost in his feet, and it finds – Get, finds the back of the net gets past Cardoni and it's 2-2 I mean it was it was such a quick response this time only three minutes from after San Antonio scored through Billy Forbes I mean it, it was just it was so exciting to see something like that right before the half because I think most of us saying okay going a half 2-1 not the best but maybe we can get something but to go in at 2-2 that completely changes the team talk that Rick Shantz gives at halftime
1: For sure. I mean, and I think that changes the game for us. I mean, if we go down 2-1 after that kind of first half performance, it changes the way San Antonio plays the second half. It makes us look more desperate in the second half. I I mean, maybe the guys do respond. I mean, we did it three times yesterday, but, you know, we were hoping to just get in at 1-1 and the backbreaker of conceding right before halftime, had we gone down 2-1, that's something that can hang over players. Um, but good for Flemings to be attacking with the ball, to push it into that position, and then um, kind of catch a lucky break when the ball bounces off a defender right to Aginaga. But good on Jose to find him right away with that one-touch pass. And then Flemings, I thought he might shoot it. That's, that's something where he's an upgrade over Forbes in that role, in my opinion. Because I think Forbes last year would have shot that into the side netting. He takes his time, slides it through the middle, John's right there to finish
2: yeah no I I think you're dead on I think Billy Forbes does take that shot and he probably places it up into the you know 13th 14th row um (laughs) I was being generous (laughs) to him I guess (laughs) yeah I I mean no I, I agree with you completely but yeah I mean and that's that's gonna be our bread and butter our key this season is finding Adam John in the middle he I mean he I think feeding him is just it's it's going to lead to so many great opportunities for us. And he's finding goals. I think we just need to get him scoring with his head on the right net, and we'll be good. I mean, I, I really, really am high on Adam John. I think he is going to be a like-for-like like replacement for Chris Cortez. If, well, new and improved version. <laughs> Yeah, no. I mean, it's it's really it's it's just so great to see these two guys come in and have such an impact so early on. I mean, we saw it last year with Asante, but to have two guys that are producing immediately and combining at that, I mean, it's it's just so exciting. And at a time when we're down in a match, when you know it, it could have been easy to, as you said, get get big pancake eyes and to to shoot it up way into the crowd. Um, just the composure by by all three of those players in that situation, just. Amazing, amazing to see. For sure. Uh, So we get into
1: halftime at 2-2. No changes made from then to the start of the second half. And in the 54th minute, this is a chance that, you know, San Antonio off of a bad pass uh, gets a great opportunity. Christian Pirano feeds Guzman. Guzman's one-on-one with Carl, and Carl, as he's prone to do, makes huge, huge saves. This time he denies... Guzman, and it's a corner kick. Nothing really comes of it. Um, so, a big time opportunity there is squashed. But then, two minutes later, uh, and this is the one I was talking about before we got into the match recap Billy Forbes just makes Batista look like a statue on the right wing, gets to the touchline, puts it in, and Guzman has an absolute sitter, just like the first one he scored, but he misses. He misses from even closer range, so somehow it's still 2-2. Then they have another chance shortly after that that misses from Yarrow. And, I mean, at this point, everyone's like, how in the world are we tied right now? Because we're just getting outplayed.
2: Uh, I mean, the Wizard of Waz. that's the only explanation, as you said. Amazing stuff by Waz in the net. On a night, you know, where he... He was not helped out by his defense a lot. He was definitely left exposed. And, um, I mean, just very lucky, as you said, Guzman missing a sitter, something that we all expect him to put in. So very fortunate for Phoenix right there to not be punished. But, yeah, I mean, it was it was almost too lucky, I felt, to to get away with all those, you know, opportunities at the back for San Antonio and to still be on level terms.
1: Right. It just it felt like there was going to be a goal coming, and weirdly enough, it almost came for us in the 65th minute when Man of the Match, Junior Flemings, gets an attack started on a counter. Um, he's blazing. All of a sudden, there's lots of space. It's two on two, and he's able to slide the ball over to Solomon Asante in space. And Asante, just not the best performance for him on the night, and uh, he just kind of dragged his shot. Did not hit the target
2: no no and I mean that right there that quick breakaway that we had that really you know it piqued my attention and I was I was you know on the edge of my seat um and just such a disappointing final product from Asante and it, yeah as you said just not his best night it seemed like I mean he did put in a great ball into the box for Fleming's but it just seemed like he was too pressured too hurried when he took that shot and just didn't set his feet right and yeah as you said well well wide but a very encouraging opportunity to see Phoenix as you said we were getting um you know beat down on our defensive end so to see us break and get a quick goal scoring opportunity like that it was at least something that we could uh, take a positive note from man that christian pirano he was a pest he's going to be he's going to make some noise i feel like this season
1: yeah you're absolutely on point with asante just not having an ideal chance right there. Um, but, you know, not everyone's going to have their night. So this match moves on. Um, San Antonio is looking dangerous. And they start making subs. They bring on Bradford Jameson, highly touted MLS low knee from the LA Galaxy. And then in the 79th minute, I want to say, or 80th minute, technically, um, Jack Barnby gets on a good free kick. Um, after Mala commits a yellow card offense, um, and Barnby forces Wozinski into another great save, which, you know, thankfully for us, he makes that save.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's almost sad that we've come to expect this from us. but he delivers time and time again, and it, you know, and it's it's so great to be able to have a goalkeeper that even when you know when, when teams are lining up quality free kick opportunities against you that he's able to make that big save but very dangerous and you know I, I can't say that if I was Carl in that situation my uh, my nerves would be quite rattled so I mean just great on him to step up and make another save and to keep us in this match because I could say that if that free kick goes in right there I think that's, uh, that's probably the fat lady singing Well I mean you would think so but then
1: Moments later, they essentially get the same result. Yep. So the ensuing corner kick from that, um, you know, they were struggling to get most of their corner kicks up into the air and get quality services that were creating goal-scoring opportunities. This one they get it just high enough, but Adam John is in the right spot. He wants to win the ball. Unfortunately, doesn't get enough of it. So it's a glancing header a perfect glancing header to the back post which goes in um very unlucky because he was one of our better performers last night but pretty deserved lead
2: for san antonio right yeah i mean no doubt a deserved lead um came later than i think it should have for them i think at this point we you know actually been playing better defense as a whole but um I mean, yeah, you know, it's very disappointing for Adam John there. You know, he's trying to to work so hard to help get his team and to get a, get something out of this. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it it just glancing header, but I can also say it was a beautiful one. And when he starts putting them in the right net, it's it's going to be sweet. So, um, you know, it's those things happen. Um, but it's like I said all throughout this podcast, it's about the response from Phoenix that really matters. Exactly.
1: Um, and Rick Shantz, I mean, he brought Vega in just before that goal. He makes two more substitutions shortly afterwards. Substitutions that really paid off. It was Jason Johnson coming on for Flemings in the 84th minute, and then shortly afterwards, Musa replaced by Joey Calistri. Um signals that we're really going for the attack. We're really going all out to equalize in these, in these late stages, which we have to do. I mean, it would be a really disappointing loss to concede in the last 10 minutes and lose like that. And uh, it worked. We were immediately starting to get on the ball a little bit more. You know, Sante had a shot in the 87th minute. Um, Adam John had a header that was missed, but it was another good chance. Duiji Mala had a banger of a free kick. I know. (laughs) Uh, That, like, who in the world would have expected that one? I think... The only times I've ever seen Mala take shots, it usually goes like a field goal way up into the stands, maybe out to the river behind the supporter (laughs) section. But this time, he freaking put a banger on target. And Cardona had to be fully alert for that one because, holy smokes, if he had gotten the equalizer there, that would have been a tale of redemption.
2: That would have been insane. No, that would have been the match winner. Or no, no, no. because no, at right. that point equalizer. it was still three two. No, equal You're right. Yeah. But um no, I, I mean that that free kick what who was it? It was Devin Vega, Solomon Asante, and Duigi Mala, all three over the ball, and I think I think it was Tyler Terrence that said it that the guy who you at least expect to take that kick ended up taking it in Mala and he said looking like Drogba out there his fellow countrymen and I would have to agree I mean it you know Drogba might have placed it a little bit better but a great great free kick great you know power positioning and I really think that this is something that I hope that we see more throughout the season because I don't think teams will be expecting Mala to rip up and take a shot like that and if we can catch a goalkeeper sleeping more power to us.
1: For sure. I mean, same goes with Kavon Lambert. He had a shot earlier in the match that was not far off um, from some distance. So that's the one thing you like about our guys. They're never afraid to pull the trigger. And, um, you know, we have all of this buzzing activity. But then San Antonio did a good job wasting a couple minutes. You know, Forbes on that right wing earned a corner kick. They were, you know, time wasting for a little bit. They did a good job. But we finally get the ball up in the third minute of stoppage time. And, uh, you know, an extended attack here ultimately ends up with us getting that critical equalizing goal. Um, First, we're coming up on the left wing. And I don't know who put that initial cross in. But Cardone gets his hand to it, but then he drops to the ground. And a very smart play by Kavon Lambert to basically take a touch and immediately feed that ball back in the box because he knew that Cardone is going to be scrambling back into position. So while he was, all the defenders were too because they're all running to the right side to get to that ball. And it was Dia that put in that initial cross that forced Cardone into that. So, you know, great quality of crosses, both of those. And then Johnson does what Johnson does best. What a composed header right there. You know, just to put it back across the face of goal, he didn't need all the power in the world um, just a really well done job right there so that's how it that's how we get the equalizer. We actually had a couple chances to win this match um, crazily enough you know later like a minute later, um, we were really pushing the ball up that left wing again, and a San Antonio defender just got their foot on a brilliant through ball that would have put, um, I don't know if it was uh, Calistri or Johnson. I think it was going to be Johnson one-on-one with the keeper, but that defender just got a touch to it, and that allowed Cardoni to get out, get on the ball before Johnson could win that foot race. Um, and then we even got a corner at the very end of this match. And uh, unfortunately, you know, Amadou Dia. He had to one time it because they were about to blow the whistle, but it didn't work out too well. So that's how it ended. But you know, really good effort to get that draw and even have chances to steal the win at the end there. What are your thoughts on that whole stoppage
2: time sequence? I, I mean, it, yeah, it was it was madness. Um, the one thing I will say is I think I think Rick Schantz played his cards right, his substitution cards right. In waiting so late in the match to get his subs out there on the field. The one thing I will say is those three players that came on, Kalistri, Vega, and Johnson, they all injected life into this team and against a San Antonio team that looked very, very tired. Um, and I think that that those three guys, we talked about it, they helped create opportunities, and Johnson was the one who was able to, to get the equalizer. So, I mean, I think those substitutions are huge. Um, if they come on earlier, They might not be as fresh as they were late in the stoppage time. And I mean, it's just, it's awesome to see this team continue and continue to push. I think last year is something that we didn't see as much of, or we would see almost when it was too late. Um, But as you said, to to have opportunities to go out and win this match when we should have, you know, had it, our asses handed to us three nil. I think it was, it was awesome. It was amazing to see. And, um, I think it's something that we can look forward to and say on another night we do. We come out of there four three winners and get all three points. Or even a three two winner if there's not that free exactly, goal. Exactly if, if, if that but I one thing I also I, I think I don't know. Yeah, go for it. I was first. gonna say I think I think that goal sparked our bad luck pushed us even further in our attack. But, I mean, it, like you said, it was a free goal. It could go either way. So maybe the match ends 2-2. Maybe we do get one, go 3-2. It, it could go, you know, but it could, I think, ultimately, we got one point, a very, very hard-fought point. In the first half, we didn't deserve it. But I'd say in the second half, we earned it. I mean, we we worked very, very hard in that second half. Defense, you know, it was not great, but they definitely tightened it up, conceded only on an own goal. Um, So, I mean, there are positives to take from this.
1: Oh, for sure. I'm actually going to disagree with you and say I think Rick Shantz was going for the win at the end. If you look at it, Vega comes in at the 78th minute. I think he was going to then bring on Johnson shortly afterwards. If it's still a 2-2 match, you have these two guys with such fresh legs, they can link up and steal a winner. And unfortunately, John's own goal... I mean, yes, we still need those fresh legs to get an equalizer now. But I think he was putting those guys in so that they would catch that tired San Antonio defense at 2-2. I think we could have come out of there with a win if it wasn't for that own goal. And, you know, to be fair, completely against the run of play. But those guys did look really good out there. I, I think had, he had a really good idea in mind with those substitutions. So, you know maybe there's some criticism about the starting 11 but the way he puts subs in late in that match you can't do it any better
2: no no and it's all man management um and it's still as we said very early on in the season i mean it's week one so to get the most out of your substitutes that's as a coach, that's all you can ask them to do is to go out there and to to get you something, and that's what they did. And yeah, I mean, I, I bet you he was going for the win because yeah, when when mentally when he was making those moves in his mind with Peter Ramage and Blair Gavin, I'm sure that uh you know he we were at two-two, and that's when he was thinking, okay, there's there's a goal to be had here. Let's go get it. And um you know it didn't turn out probably exactly as he planned. No one would have expected that Adam John own goal. But it's, you know, it's it's just amazing to see that things work out for us and to go in our favor.
1: For sure. Um, and some interesting stats that actually make us look better on this night. If you look at the full match stats, we have slightly more possession than San Antonio. fifty, Basically 51 to 49. We're almost 50-50 on duels success. Almost 50-50 on aerial duels. Slight advantage there. They have 18 interceptions to our five. But, um, you know, we earned seven corners, to so their 10. We had more passes, 355 to 344. We had 78.6% passing accuracy, which with the amount of long passes we have, that's pretty good. That's a lot better than we've had at many times last season and even in the playoffs last year. Most encouraging to me is 68% passing accuracy in the opponent's half. That means our guys up front are linking together well. We have good connections between the midfield and the attack. Those guys have benefited from the training. Um, and so that bodes really well. Once our defense shores up a little bit, we can keep putting in three goals. We won't be conceding three goals as often I I can't imagine. Um, that could be really nice to see. Um, you know, and, and the shots, I mean, the shots don't make it look as one-sided as it was at times. Um, you know, 19-12 to 12 advantage for San Antonio, 7 on target for them, 4 on target for us. Um, similar shooting accuracy. So, I mean, the stats make it look like we hung in there, and there are some encouraging takeaways for those. We did have 5 yellow cards last night, but... um But still, definitely some positives.
2: Yeah. No, I I was actually looking at the stats after the match. And, um, yeah, I mean, there were definitely some positives to take from there. A lot of good things that we saw. um, Just the biggest, I mean, eyesore is going to be our defense. Those three goals against, no one's going to be happy about that, especially not Peter Ramage, I'm sure. You know, he's, he's been in the, the boys' ears ever since last night. And, but they have plenty of time. They have a whole week to, to tighten it up, to get, their, you know, to get their act together. And, you know, we, we have a new uh, new challenge next week in New Mexico United. So uh, that's all we can do is live to improve.
0: Thanks to Dom and Kyle for their analysis on the Phoenix Rising draw against San Antonio on March 9th. In a club release about the match some interesting facts junior flemings tallied both a goal and an assist in his club debut and that this is the second consecutive season opener that's opened on the road with a draw this is the first point in san antonio that phoenix rising has earned since 2016. also important note the only player on the game's injury report is alessandro rigi in other club news for the past week the club acquired Defender Lamar Batista on loan from MLS LAFC. Rising fans saw Lamar Batista in preseason play during a guest stint, playing alongside Shaft Brewer Jr. During the 2017 season, Batista was named to the USL 20 under 20 list and started 19 games in his rookie campaign with Timbers 2. Also in club news, it was announced that the club mutually parted ways with midfielder Gladson Owako. Iwako has spent a season and a half in Phoenix, joining his former coach Patrice Carteron in 2017. We had reported previously that Iwako had experienced some visa issues in coming to the States, but no official word has come out concerning this mutual parting of the ways. Phoenix Rising next sees action on Saturday, March 16th at home against New Mexico United in their first meeting. If you're looking for ways to get to the match, make sure to check out Phoenix Rising's website, where you can find the Pub 2-Pit Shuttle under the Bar Network tab. Now departing from four different locations, get to and from the match safely, securely, and without having to worry about parking issues. Our next report is sponsored by Ghost of Luke Rooney. Ghost Rooney, the only guy with less things to do than Edward from PRFC Fan Show. In NPSL play, FC Arizona beat the upstart City of Angels FC 5-2 to two on Friday night to improve to a 3-0-1 record and second place in the conference. FC Arizona's next home match will be on Wednesday, March 20th against Golden State FC at Mesa High School. If you're a fan of La Liga, Emma Equis, the Chivas Reserve squad will be traveling to Mesa to face FC Arizona on March 22nd at 7 p.m., also at Mesa High School. Now we'll kick it back to Kyle and Don for a preview of next week's game against New Mexico United.
1: Our opponent next week is going to be New Mexico United for the home opener. It'll be a 7:30 kickoff at the Phoenix Rising Soccer Complex. So get there early. It's going to be an electric atmosphere. Our first time ever playing um, New Mexico United. It'll be a chance to see the reunion of Kevon freighter and Sam Hamilton. Um, you know, another team that drew yesterday. They had a 1-1 draw with Fresno. Um, They went up in this match with Devin Sandoval scoring first, but Fresno equalized in the second half, um, and it petered out to a 1-1 draw there. But, you know, this is a team with a lot of interesting names, names that a lot of USL people would be familiar with. Um, You know, you're going to have Josh Suggs in the back. You're going to have Sam Hamilton starting at one of the center back spots. Cody Mizell in net. Weehan is one of the midfielders. Um... Santi Moore is another guy that they brought in. He's going to be on the left wing. Um, So it's a pretty fun lineup that New Mexico United trots out there. Last week, Kavon Frater came on as a sub. I don't know if they're going to start him against us. They used a 4-1-4-1 against Fresno last week. And, you know, an interesting matchup. They didn't have too many shots or shots on target, but they did complete a lot of passes. They had 55% possession. Very good 81% passing accuracy. So they're they're a team that, you know, had a lot of preseason matches against USL opponents. So they're more ready for this regular season than I think similar expansion franchises would be. Certainly than Las Vegas at the start of last year or even El Paso this year. Um, So this won't be a walkover win. What are your thoughts on New Mexico coming into this match?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to be a very fun team to watch in the USL this year. As you said, they're 81% passing accuracy. I mean, that's almost at Barcelona levels, and um, a lot of a lot of players that USL fans and coaches and players will be familiar with. As you said, they kind of have they've gotten guys from all over the West and the East. So, um, I mean, yeah, I think they'll be a very difficult opponent. I think you know they're going to be another tough task just like San Antonio was maybe not as um, have as much goal scoring prowess as San Antonio has and their goal scorers Billy Forbes and Ever Guzman but I think that it's it's still going to be a very difficult match I think the key for Phoenix here is going to be getting a good early start getting on the board you know in the first 15 20 minutes I think that could go a long long way in pushing us to score more goals um, but, yeah, I mean, defense is is going to have to show up because I think that New Mexico is they're going to want to get a win under their belt. You know, as you said, they drew last night and, you know, a difficult match at home in front of 13000 fans. Kudos to them for getting so many fans out there. That's awesome. But I think that, uh, you know, Phoenix Rising can show them who the top team in this Four Corners Cup is, and we got to take that first victory.
1: Yeah, super, super uh, impressive fan support out there at Isotopes Park in Albuquerque. Um, I think, you know, depending on which official number you're looking at, I see another one that says 12,896. I mean, no matter how you look at it, without FCC in the league, that's one of the top attendance figures in USL. Um, So a really, really big time um, support. In the local community, I would expect a decent traveling contingent next week. If they're drawing almost 13,000 fans to their home opener, I would expect at least 100 coming out to our arena this week, which will be interesting because we haven't had matchups against any teams in USL that bring a strong away support yet. Um, You know, there was the potential for Vegas, but they haven't lived up to it yet because we played them midweek last year and they were awful. So... You know, if, you know, if any supporters are listening, don't do anything stupid. Don't try to get into any fights with them. You know, respect the visitors. You know, try to establish goodwill with them. But it'll be interesting to actually have a vocal away contingent. And I'm, I'm curious to see what the atmosphere is like with that.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, as you said, it's not a far drive. Probably the closest road trip, actually, for Phoenix. I think it and Vegas are probably about the same amount. Um, so I, I think Albuquerque six hours. Oh, is so it Vegas is
1: still closer? Okay.
2: Yeah, yeah. But I mean, regardless, as you said, they're getting so many fans out, and their fans are gonna be pumped for for a road match. Um, yeah, I, I mean, there's no need to start a fight. I would say, treat it as we treat OC away. You know, I, you know, they want to go see their their you know their fans or their players play, but I don't think they could ever match how many uh, how many That's fans we get massive in OC.
1: That's a Massive diss to New Mexico's support. <laughs> they already have 10, 20 times more support than OC ever will.
2: Now, so, I'm just grinding their gears. I really do think that they will have some good fans, and I think, you know, we should make, we should have a good time with it. You know, it's, it's what this sport's all about. We all have our team, but we can appreciate one another. We're all people at the end of the day. Um, <laughs> but, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, Man, I really, really am bummed. I'm not gonna make this match this Saturday. I'm, as I said, I'm gonna be out of the country. Um But it's it's gonna be a great match, and I think it's gonna be one. I mean, it should be a sellout. There should be no question about it. I mean it's it's gonna be the first time we get to see a USL championship match here in Phoenix. So what bigger occasion is there?
1: And I'm going to a
2: wedding too, so I'm also gonna be out, which
1: guy I know it's ridiculous. But Stay tuned because those tickets are gonna have to go somewhere. Yeah, so maybe <laughs> check the Twitter page during the week. Maybe we'll do a ticket giveaway.
2: I don't know. Oh, uh, we'll just throwing that out there. We'll come up with something, I'm sure you know we still got well we still got six days till uh, till kickoff, so I'm sure we'll find something to do with these extra tickets. For sure,
1: for sure. Um, do you think we're gonna win next week? Oh,
2: you know, I do. I, I'm going to go one further and say I think 3-1 is what I see. I think I want to say we score early and then New Mexico levels it up, go in 1-1 at halftime, and we come out and get two goals in the second half and take 3-1 victory. That's my prediction.
1: I'm gonna say it's a little tighter to the vest, but we still pull out the three points. I'm gonna go two one. Okay. Um, that. I could also see three two the way our defense looked. <laughs> but there's you're right. Somehow, some way, we're gonna we're gonna get those three points. I think you're gonna see AJ Cochran starting next week. That's the thing that blows my mind how he wasn't starting on Saturday. He will definitely be starting next Saturday, and I think you're gonna see an improvement there. Um, you'll probably see Farrell in the starting lineup as well. I would definitely see him on the 18-man roster. Um, So I think we'll get steadier play. And I don't think that New Mexico has the speed guys that San Antonio has that can burn us. Um, So I think I will officially say 2-1, but the more I think about it, 3-2 wouldn't be surprising. Either way, we'll find a way. Yeah,
2: I I agree completely. 3-1 might be a, a little optimistic on my part, Um, But as you said, I think I think Cochran does get back in there and maybe we see Farrell, too, and see see a new center back pairing in this match and they tighten it up. That's that's what I'm hoping for. Please, (laughs) for for my heart's sake, I'm going to be trying to stream from the uh, from the beach in Turks and Caicos. So hopefully, you know, they're they're able to let me have a chill, relaxing night. You should hit up Billy Forbes' family out there. I, I'm actually gonna tweet at him and ask him, you know, where where should I go? What should I do when I'm out there? Because I mean, it's all I plan on doing is sipping some beer on the beach. <laughs> wow, wow!
1: So unfortunate for you. I know, really right? living the really living the challenging life of not being able to be at the soccer complex. Oh man, having such a I rough know. time I,
2: out there on the beach. I know, like. <laughs> How unlucky am I that, that I get to go to Turks and Caicos with my family and and unfortunately I have to miss this Phoenix Rising match but uh, no it's, <laughs> it's, it's going to be a great time and I'm, I think I'll probably enjoy the game even more because uh, I won't be there to appreciate it and at the next match when I am there it's going to be that much more fun. It'll be a home opener just for me.
1: Well, and it'll probably be like 9.30, 10.30 out there when it
2: kicks off, so it'll be nice and drunk. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I was actually checking. It's highs of 80, low of 73 next week, How beautiful weather. Yikes. I'll be nice and drunk by that time. I actually get in Saturday from Miami. I'm flying into Turks and Caicos Saturday afternoon, so I'll be unpacked in the hotel, have a few cocktails in me, and yeah, be sipping beers, maybe even smoke a cigar, a victory cigar on the beach. We'll see.
1: Oh, man, you better tweet a picture of that if that happens.
0: <laughs> um. Wouldn't this be a great place to have an advertisement for a travel agency? If you're interested in advertising on the Rising is One podcast, hit us up on Twitter, at Pod. Next up on the show, Kylan Dom do a Western Conference preview. For the most in-depth Western Conference preview, check out FirebirdSoccer.net where we break down every team in the Western Conference, provide players to watch, and give predictions on how Phoenix Rising will fare against every team in the Western Conference. For all of your Arizona soccer news, always be sure to check out firebirdsoccer.net. And now let's hear from Dominic and Kyle on what their top 10 teams in the Western Conference look like.
1: Don't be too hard on me since I'm going first, listeners. Listeners. My top 10 in the West is going to be, um, I have us winning the Western Conference, and even with last night's performance, I still stand true to that. I think our defense will get short up as the season goes on, and that, that attacking potential is there. You know, It's just there in spades. You know, Johnson can come on as a sub and score. Flemings can come on and dominate a match, a guy that we didn't even think was going to start. Um, so I think that's still going to work out pretty well for us. Um, In number two position, I have Sacramento leapfrogging OC. Um, You know, it's kind of weird looking back on it that Sacramento actually finished second last year because we basically decided to shit the bed those last eight days. Um, And they actually did end up in second last year. But uh, yeah, I think good regular season team. Cohen's a great keeper. They have better attacking guys this year. I know that they drew last week, but I, I still see a bright season for them. And part of the reason I see them in two is because I think Orange County drops off a bit on the points. They're still going to be a strong squad. They're still going to be there when it's all said and done. But I see them dropping uh, to third place in the Western Conference. Um, You know, they open up with a draw at Reno. A very good draw to come back at the end the way they did. But, uh, But still, I see them in third place. Then I'll go, I think I had San Antonio four. I had Vegas Lights fifth, which maybe I'm maybe I'm debating about now, cause freaking nil nil against Austin at home. <laughs> uh, I have OKC six, Reno seven, um, and I'm super tempted to switch Reno and Vegas now, but whatever. Vegas five, OKC six, Reno seven, um, New Mexico eight, El Paso nine, and Colorado Springs ten. Colorado Springs, I did not have in the playoffs until right before the season started. I noticed those preseason results, and sure enough, they looked really good last week. Um, what are your thoughts on that top
2: ten? I, I mean, it, yeah, it's it. I would say mine maybe has a few uh, few different teams in it, but I mean, yeah, I'd have to agree with it. Colorado, I agree with you there. Definitely a uh, late submission to this contest, and I I really think. What was it? It was maybe two or three years ago when they made the playoffs and, you know, they were able to make some noise. And I think I think they're going to get back this year. Um, I'll go ahead and start my list. Number one, I have to go Phoenix Rising. I think I think, you know, we have no nonsense this season. We take the Western Conference points. I think we're able to win the whole league. But, uh, you know, that's my bias. So we'll see. But I have Phoenix Rising one. I'm actually going to go San Antonio two. After last night's match and just seeing that you know we were so equal on the pitch, I'm going to have to put San Antonio at 2 right now. Um, they did look good. They looked very good. Sacramento at 3, just because, as you said, they, they were able to bring back a few players and to retain a lot of players as well. And last season, you know, they turned it on. They're always unlucky, it seems, in the playoffs. Um, but I, I really think that they're going to be a very difficult opponent this year. So I have them in the, in the 3 spot. Um, number four is Orange County. As you said, I think losing Thomas Envelson, um is going to be a huge loss for them. They also lose Richard Chaplau to, to retirement. And he was a player who he was just such a pest against Phoenix, always, you know, getting on our nerves and just breaking up attacks. And I think that I think they really miss him this season. Um, okay, so Orange County, four in fifth. Ah. ah. I don't know why, but something is telling me Timbers two in fifth place. I I don't huh. I don't know what it is. I think it's they were they were fifth last year. Yeah, I, right? I don't know. Wait, no, they were no they were six. No, they, they were, were six. six. Yes, but it's just but something. they were fifth
1: for a while last year.
2: Yes, and, and maybe they have last season was was they up on their roller coaster and this year they go down. But for some reason I'm I'm just high on them, um, so that's that's my five spot number six. I'm gonna have to say OKC. Okay, um, they they've just they've really stepped it up from last season. I think they no doubt make playoffs this year. Jeez, um, I'm just looking right now, and there's so many teams that are still left. <laughs> okay, so I have as well. I have Colorado Springs. Actually, no, no, I'm gonna flip it. I think Reno seven, Colorado Springs eight, and then I have. Fresno and New Mexico right on the outside. And Las Vegas right in the mix. Uh, Las Vegas, I'm just – I know you have have them Wait, high so on the do list. You, do you, and I'm just – I'm uncertain right now. I don't know how this Winalda era is going to go. I'm just – I'm kind of still getting my feel for them.
1: For sure. So the there are like now 10 teams in the playoffs in each conference. So do, you have, do you have Fresno and New Mexico as your 9 and 10?
2: Oh, shoot, my thing only shows eight. Yes, yes, that would be, that is exactly, actually, no, that's not where they are right now. Fresno's in eighth. But yes, Fresno, shit. I'll go Fresno. I'll go New Mexico nine, Fresno 10. Fresno just gets in to the playoffs by the edge of their seat. And right on the outside of playoffs, yeah, probably Las Vegas, I would have to guess.
1: Interesting, yeah. Well, the way I was looking at it, I think that, Those 8 through 12, 13 spots are all going to be super close. You know, the 7 through 10 spots are play in this year. That's a new concept that we picked up. Um, And, you know, I have Fresno just outside the top 10. I have them at 11, like one or two points behind Colorado Springs to get that last spot. Um, I don't know why. I feel like El Paso is going to catch on strong as the season goes on. They do have some... players, and they have a strong keeper, Logan Ketterer, who was drafted by Columbus Crew. I think things will develop for them as the season goes on. Um, And I wouldn't take too much stock in them losing 3-1 to OKC. Um, As far as me being bullish on Vegas, you can look to those MLS preseason results. You can give them a grain of salt. You can give them a whole uh, ocean worth of salt. Um, But I do think that he does a good job building a culture with his teams. If you look at his time in Atlanta, if you look at his stints with uh, Cal FC and LA Wolves, I know one of those he was just coaching online, but I think Cal FC was the one where he was more involved. Um, He's gotten results. Say what you will about the guy's Twitter takes. Say what you will about, um, you know, his ruffling some feathers, but the guy gets results. He builds a culture and... He has a lot of guys from uh, from the LA area, from Vegas, and from Mexico. So he really is trying to build like a Latin, um, stylish-style team. Um, I think that is going to catch on. I think they're going to have a pretty big home field as the summer months hit this year. Um, definitely not the result I was expecting opening, but I, I still feel like Vegas is going to is going to surprise some people this year. That's... You know what? Maybe I'll fall flat on my face with that, but that's that's how I see it going. Um, yeah, teams that... Are there any teams that neither of us mentioned that maybe we should have mentioned? I know, I know a lot of people are saying Monarchs will still make playoffs. I know some people are saying RGV will be a sneaky contender. Uh, I know... I don't know. that. I know some people are high on Austin Bold. Do you feel like there are any teams that we
2: just missed? I mean, the two that, that you mentioned, um, I, I definitely think that Monarchs, I mean, they've they deserve to be in that conversation after the past couple seasons. But I'll also say that they've lost, I think, a lot of their best players. And I mean, especially Chandler Hoffman, you know, not having him... He was just so reliable for them that I think you know he's gonna be a huge miss. I'm really interested to see what goes on with them. RGV as well, they're you know they're always kind of hit and miss it seems they have their, their really good periods and then they have their dips. Um, Austin Bold, I'm just I'm still not sold on them. I'm as we talked about, it seems like they brought in a lot of veteran players, veteran leadership, but that doesn't always translate to uh, results on the pitch especially in you know such a quick pace league that usl is it's i don't know i'm just not sure about them um to go back to what you were saying about Winalda, i really hope that he does you know get las vegas lights up and running get this culture going and because i think that it could be so much fun to have a good rivalry with them i think it'll just make that you know that it's this year it's a midweek match as well but the match here at home in Phoenix it's it's gonna be so much more fun to have a team that we can you know kind of go at it with like San Antonio a team that it's never an easy match against them it's always hotly contested I think that uh Winalda could bring that and hopefully he does yeah um I mean
1: geez you're talking about Austin Bold yeah it's a it's a very interesting team they do have tier pack they do have Strepo and goal but a lot of mysterious people other than that. And uh, they only had fifty nine percent passing yesterday. I know that it's a small field in Vegas and that can happen. But fifty nine percent passing, that's rough. Yeah. Um, no that's those old legs running around Texas during the summer, I we'll see. But I it's not how I would build a team,
2: that's for damn sure. No. I, I it's just it's just not an ideal situation and and I also I really, really think that Austin FC is gonna cut into the Austin Bolt support. I, I just I question how much support this team's gonna see with this other MLS team coming. You know, it's it's just it's really I'll be interested to see it, you know, when they do have their first home match, how it goes and if they're able to get a bit of a home field advantage going.
1: Well, if you thought that the O C takeover was pretty legit last year, just wait until you see that austin home match against san antonio next weekend
2: oh is that next weekend
1: oh wow that's next weekend that's austin's home opener i think they probably gave them san antonio so the attendance numbers will look better but i (laughs) expect there to be more san
2: antonio fans than austin at that match yeah no i would i would expect that too i mean san antonio props to them they had a great crowd last night i thought too um so yeah I, i i expect them to go there be loud and be proud and it's it's looking like Austin Bold's going to be sitting on a draw and a loss after after San Antonio comes to town because San Antonio is hot.
1: Let's get to some of the other matches in USL as we kind of wind things down in this episode. Um, a lot of draws in the Western Conference. A um, couple interesting results out east. Our former uh, colleagues, Swope Park go down to Red Bulls 2-3-1 on the road. And St. Louis picks up a big home win over Indy 11-2-1. They, they fall behind in the last 30 minutes in this match, but they respond with two goals late and get a huge win there. Um, and then you go to the Western Conference. Reno and O.C. draw 2-2. Um, all the goals late in this match. Brian Brown and Lindo Mafeka put Reno up by 2, but then Seton puts them in striking distance, and Aiden Quinn gets a penalty. In stoppage time. To finish things out at 2-2. You know, Tulsa and Timbers 2. They draw 1-1. I didn't even mention the first match of the USL season. Tacoma Defiance slash Sounders 2 slash what is this team that no one cares about? Wins 1-0 to get the season started over RGV. um, On a second half goal there. Uh... Yeah, then Tulsa and Timbers 2 get a draw. New Mexico, Fresno draw. Um, Vegas and Bold draw 0-0. Sacramento and Reno draw 1-1, and Sacramento had to get a late equalizer in that match. And then the two matches that stand out because there was actually a winner, um, Galaxy 2 loses to Colorado Springs 4-1 at home, and Colorado Springs just put a hurting
2: on. Didn't
1: you say someone had a hat trick for
2: them? Yeah, I believe Shane Malcolm, I believe, had a hat trick for him.
1: Yes, he yeah. he did. Um, and this match was four 0 until Galaxy scored a late consolation. Um, it's a weird. It's weird when you look at the stats because Galaxy actually had more possession, more passes, but uh definitely colorado springs made their chances count eight of their 14 on target and put a hurting on them very 2017 phoenix rising-esque um and then okc energy continuing their rapid ascent to the top of the usl western conference they win 3-1 and Sean brown that man is on fire um yeah, it, like, they got to start singing the Giggs song um, to Deshorn Brown.
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah, somebody has to. I mean, if not his, DeShorn, if not his DeShorn, team, DeShorn's some, on some other club needs to. Because, yeah, I mean, he
1: DeShorn's is. on fire. <laughs> other defenses are terrified because he has a brace in this match. He scores in the first minute. And then he scored again in the 54th. Um, and then their other scorer in the preseason against us, Cordell Cato, ice as the game in the 81st minute they win 3-1 um el paso had a ton of possession in this match 69 percent uh they have a ton of passes much better passing accuracy so that goes into i think el Paso's style they're trying to pass the ball possess the ball a lot um so maybe look for that when we play them but okc is just ruthless on counter attacks with DeShorn brown and cato um they, I would expect more of that as the season progresses. That's a that's a dangerous team. They they remind me a lot of us a couple years ago when we were like heavily counterattacking but really lethal when we're on.
2: Yeah, yeah, back in that 2017 season. Um, yeah, and I mean you're right. I think that OKC is is a team that they've they've put together a lot of quality pieces and now it's just the execution and they were able to go out and execute against El Paso um and I mean yeah it it should continue for them I don't think I don't think they'll have the difficult slow start I think they went like eight or nine winless to start the season last year I don't think you know they don't hit a streak like that this year
1: no and uh I mean they they beat us in preseason they beat El Paso I'm pretty sure they beat New Mexico um they had a lot of strong preseason results Deshaun Brown put in like six or seven goals in preseason for them so they are ready to get this season going. And, uh, you know, Lorendi's back in the sticks. He was injured for a lot of last year. Um, they're they're going to be a team to be reckoned with. And I know that neither of us have them too high in the standings, but they could get off to a really hot start. And I think they're absolutely the team that no one wants to play in the playoffs because they can counterattack, because they do have that ruthless finishing I would much rather play, um, you know, like a Timbers 2 or a Switchbacks or something like that or Las Vegas than OKC because they have guys that have proven it at this level. And, uh, you know, that's – personally, I think they're going to reach the Western Conference Finals and pull an upset or two in the playoffs.
2: So hey,
1: I, I, that's – I uh, agree
2: with you. Um, so, so what you're saying is it's going to be the Western Conference Final in Phoenix, Phoenix Rising versus OKC Energy, Correct.
1: Yes, and I think OKC is going to be the Cali killers because I think they take out Orange County and Sacramento back-to-back. Ooh, I like that.
2: I like that. That's spicy, Uh, but that's what I'm here for. Yeah, well, and and it's making sense if they finish near where we had them finish, that they would link up with those Cali teams and we would have the switchbacks and the lights. And so, no, I like that. Hopefully this is a... We had our, you know... Psychic hats on and the season plays out like this, but it, it rarely does.
1: <laughs> Austin Bold wins the West. Yeah, yeah, seriously.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Trigger warning for Aaron Blau when he listens. <laughs> I think he had them finishing like last or second to last. I'm like, dude, they're not going to be that bad. No. Like, they're going to be bad, but they're not going to be that bad.
2: But since we're bringing so. it up, who, who finishes last in the West?
1: Oh, who gets the deuce? Yep who gets the uh the worst
2: what is it the sacco
1: is what they called it in the <laughs> yeah <The> sacco yeah. <laughs> i i mean i think los dos is gonna be a contender because their one good player last year is already making an impact in mls now efreen alvarez i think i'm gonna go with tulsa just because that's a freaking depressing team um they eked out a home draw with timbers yesterday but even in that match less possession less shots less shots on target um, I could. I don't think their defense will be as atrocious, but I, I, I think it's going to be between Tulsa, Los Dos, and Tacoma. Um, so I'm going to go Tulsa there. Okay. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's Los Dos.
2: Yeah, I, I'm going to take Los Dos drop and a deuce. Um, I think, <laughs> I think that they just nice. they, just have nothing this season, as you said. Efrain Alvarez is going to light up the MLS. Um. And he's he's they signed they signed Zuback to a senior contract too, so they oh, really are yeah they're done they are really thin they're dead in the
1: water at that level
2: um, they're yep. just shark bait now so it'll be a uh, be key to just take advantage of that
1: <laughs> the lowest number in their starting eleven yesterday was 30. Oh,
2: wow oh wow <laughs> that that says it all right doesn't that say <laughs> about everything that yeah I mean thirty wow okay. All right, moving on.
1: <laughs> I hope they self-relegate after this year, but uh, I think we That'd play them on the road in early August, like the perfect road trip for that time of the year when it's just disgusting here. It's hot. Yep. I That'll be a great away match. But um, yeah, that's kind of what's going on there. Um, any other thoughts on the Western Conference before we kind of wrap things up?
0: Um...
2: I mean, I just, I think... 10 teams vying for these playoff spots. I think it's going to be a very tight race. As you said, those, I think the, what, 8 through 11, 12, is going to be down to, you know, two to three points separating all of them. Um, and, it, yeah, it's it's going to be very tight. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be so critical for for us to get as high up as we can in this Western Conference because as, as I look more at these teams that could be in the middle, of this uh playoff race in okc energy a you know san antonio um sacramento just teams i want to stay as far away from as i can
1: definitely definitely
2: um well i think at this point we can do
1: our our closing thoughts um a lot of people were active on twitter last night but uh no supporter section questions this week we have had a bit of a hiatus before bringing that back. So, you know, maybe people just had to sleep in late to recover. Um, but, yeah, what are your final thoughts from a very exciting... No, it was actually like a snooze fest, huh?
2: Yeah. No, that no, match no. yesterday, yeah. yeah it was, I think it was probably about as entertaining as that nil-nil in, in Las Vegas. Um, no, I, just, I mean, what a game and what resilience from this team we've talked about it you know throughout preseason and coach chance has talked about it these guys they're fighting back they're showing heart and ultimately as fans that's all we ask for even if we go out there and lay an egg on the day um if if there's effort if there's heart behind it um that's you got to be proud about that and that's that's exactly what they did we get a very very hard fought point that yeah we didn't deserve but we did earn it um so i i I just think this is such a great setup for next week. You know, it, it feels like the season, it's kind of started, but doesn't start it hasn't started completely because it hasn't taken place here in Phoenix and we still need three points. So um, I'm just so pumped for next week's match. As you said, I really think we're able to get a win against New Mexico United. Um, the scoreline might not be exactly as I predicted, but. I, I really could care less. As long as we get three points, and we're on the right side of the score sheet, I'll be uh, I'll be more than pleased. But I'm no man. I'm just ready to go. I mean, let's just get this started. We're already talking about playoffs. We're talking about all this other stuff, road trips. I'm let's just get this season started and you know get a win and get off on the right foot. I'm ready to uh, to see Phoenix work their way up the standings.
1: Absolutely. Um, you hit so many nails on the head. I don't know I don't even know if there are any nails left for me, but uh yeah, super excited about next week, even though both of us won't be at the soccer complex, which is a tragedy, but it is what it is. Um yeah, really want to see us start picking up wins, moving up those standings. Uh I think the biggest takeaway for me is Junior Flemings just gave such an F U to the haters. I mean, there were people at the end of preseason saying, what is he doing for this squad? You know, what does he bring to Phoenix Rising? And we had to defend him a couple weeks ago and be like, look, I've seen him create some chances. I know he's been inconsistently on and off the pitch, but he's done some good things. You just got to look for those things. And he's a player with pedigree already, even though he's young. Um, And boy, did he ever show out. In last night's match. He got the goal. He got the assist. He, had, he created other chances. He was our most consistent attacking threat. I mean, the dude was a beast. Even tracking back in defense a couple times. Um, so really excited to see more of that from, from Flemings. Um, and also good to see JJ come in and put that header in. Uh, just a class act such a vet, and uh, really, really nice to see him do that and see the team celebrate together. So, um, you know, it's not always going to be the prettiest, but championship teams find a way to get something when they're not playing at their best, and that's what we did. So I I do feel like we are still on the right track. We're still going to shore up that defense and be in that championship conversation. Um, So, yeah, it's just, just a... Just a crazy start to what figures to be an exciting season.
2: Yeah, no, I agree completely. Flemings, to me, he earned the man of the match performance. Um, I mean, just absolutely killed it, as you said, working hard in all assets of the game, defense in the midfield and, you know, getting up there and scoring goals. Um, I just, I mean, how dangerous is our left side now that we have Flemings and then on the bench, Jason Johnson coming on? I mean, it's just other teams just, they have to just not know what to do and who to who to defend against because Rick Shantz could put any of these players out there, and he showed that last night, that he's going to tinker, and there's going to be some surprise starters in our lineups this season. So, uh, yeah, I mean, man, uh, let's just – let's go. Let's get this season started. I'm just – I'm ready. Last night's match, it, what it reminded me of was the previous – oh, when was it? That – what was it? Wasn't it a 3-3 draw with Manchester City and United – was that two or three years ago? That's almost what last night's match reminded me of. Just two champions going at it. Just battling back and back, neck and neck. And, uh, you know, it's it was very early to have that kind of match. But I also like getting those matches in and out of the way. You know, it shows these guys the level they need to be at. And uh, I think next week we see a step up.
1: Manchester United and champions used in the same
2: sentence. I haven't heard that in a while. <laughs> Watch out! They're making their way up. Although I just looked and they were down two nil to Arsenal last time I checked. I don't know if that game's gone final. Oh yeah. Arsenal wins two nil. Wow. Maybe not. They were working their way up. They were making a run at that top four. I think. I think. United so Mike is... Vanderplas is having such a good time listening to this right now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> such a good time.
2: Yeah.
1: Shout out Mike Vanderblast. Yeah, uh,
2: our, our deepest condolences. Maybe
1: the condolences, 2020s will be kinder to you. I must say. Yeah. You, hey, you had you had Wednesday, right? Tuesday, Wednesday. It was that PSG game. Yeah. You had that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You have that Neymar gift for eternity. So, uh, <laughs> so I think that's going to do it <laughs> for this week's episode of Rising is One. Um, Thank you for listening. We still do have a Peter Ramage interview actually coming up, so we'll play that after we finish here. And uh, it's a great interview, so give that a listen. And as always, Uprising.
2: Uprising.
3: And
0: that does it for your weekly dose of Dominic Kearns and Kyle Mackey. In Phoenix Rising fan media news, Firebird Soccer debuted a... Weekly Pick'Em. This week, the correct game result was chosen by Joe from Rising Tactics, Steven Hernandez, Dominic Kearns, Edward from PRFC Fan Show, and Kevin from PRFC Fan Show. Congratulations to our fellow fan media folks for making the right picks. Nobody got the score right, but the closest to the score without going over was Christian from AZ Soccer Radio. And nobody had man-of-the-match picked for Junior Flemings. We're going to derive a point system to try and figure out who the most accurate picker for the season is, but until then, stay tuned right here for all the cheers and jeers for your fan media pick'em for next week's game. Closing out our show is Dominic Kern's interview with Coach Peter Ramage from the PRFC Media Day a few weeks ago. Here he is, and we'll see you all next week on the Rising is One podcast. Hello, this is Dominic Kearns
3: here with a very special guest. Introduce yourself. It's uh, Peter Ramage here, assistant coach at Phoenix Rising. And describe your role with the team. Uh,
4: it's part of my role is to prepare um, the team for the upcoming games on Saturday um, via training sessions during the week and then obviously the analysis of the opposition coming up. Uh, myself and Blair Gavin are, are very much uh, hands-on with, with everything to help get these guys on a Saturday.
3: Is it fair to say that your strongest focus is on the back
4: four? Yeah, 100%. That's why I've kind of been brought in to help look at that uh, side of things. Blair looks after the midfielders and attackers and uh, Corey Robertson's. They got the, the goalies and Rick kind of oversees everything.
3: And uh, I know that you're a pretty humble guy, but you're not just an ordinary player. You have your own playing background, right?
4: Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I came through at Newcastle, played in the Premier League, played in Europe, um, you know, I've played for, I think it was 18 years, my career, so... Crystal Palace, too? Crystal Palace, yeah, I was at Crystal Palace, QPR, Birmingham, amongst a few others. So, yeah, I've had, a,
3: I've had a pretty good career myself. You know, when you were still a player, I always wanted to ask you, what drew you to Phoenix for those last seasons? Um, I'd kind of lost
4: the love of the game a little bit, the way my career was going, and um, Frank Yallop and Mark Burcham were the, the management staff here. Um, and I knew Birch from my time at QPR, uh, he called me up and said, do you want to come uh, to Phoenix? And I had to kind of Google where Phoenix was. I didn't know where Arizona was in, in, the, in the United States, but as soon as I came off the plane and, you know, felt that warm desert heat on my back,
3: it was, uh, it was kind of love at first sight. i it's safe to say you didn't come in the middle of August, right? That first time. Uh, yeah, it was. It was literally. It was, it was August. Yeah, it
4: was August when I came. Um. Uh, it was like it was the second or third week into August. There was about a third of the season to go uh, in the 2016. So, yeah, I kind of came in uh, mid summer sun. How do you deal with it coming from England? Uh, I'm still trying to deal with it, honestly. <laughs> two two years down the line, so no, it's it's tough. Um, you have to apply a lot of sun cream, um, but it's
3: you, you get used to it. and You just have to, you know, kind of manage your body to be able to handle the heat. <laughs> Do you have any fond memories of your time playing for Phoenix Rising and formerly Arizona United?
4: Yeah, um, you know, a, a couple spring to Mine mind was the opening game that we had at the complex as Phoenix Rising against Toronto. Although we got beat, it was, you know, it was a special night to see the dream that was sold to me and the reason why I wanted to come. Um, you kind of come to fruition and then going into that season going into the playoffs um, you know it was something that I don't think we as a as a squad at that time you know the first first year as Phoenix Rising I don't think we thought we were going to get to the playoffs and then you know coming back last season and, and finishing Western Conference Championship, uh, Champions and
3: going to the USL final was you know a couple of moments that will stay with me What was it like I mean you've had experience with so many great coaches over your career finishing it off with Frank Yallop and then Patrice Carter on what were they like as
1: managers?
4: They were two totally different. You know, Frank's very much a player's manager. He, you know, allows you to kind of have the freedom to express yourself and, and just be yourself. He's very, you know, very, he's very good. And he was perfect manager for me at the stage of my career. And then coming in, I was starting to kind of think about life after football and, and watching Patrice work on a day-to-day basis was an education that, you know, it was a dream for me. Um, He was his attention to detail both on and off the pitch was absolutely spot on and and I took a lot from him and and do a lot of my work via the stuff that I learned from from both
3: Patrice and from uh, from Frank and then what's it been like working more recently with uh, coach right now yeah Rips
4: Uh, there's not many people I would have left Newcastle for, Uh, I I began my coaching career at Newcastle United and and when Rick called, there was no hesitation for me to come out here. You know, the guy was uh, instrumental in me finding my love back as a player with Phoenix when he came in under Frank as assistant and then working with Patrice. And, um, he's just a, is a great guy to work for. Um, he allows myself and Blair to, to get on and, and do the training sessions under his supervision and gives us the freedom to, to learn and, and make mistakes as coaches. And, his, his knowledge and his contact base within the, the American soccer family, it's, it's second to none. And, um, we're just trying to make him better as a manager and us better as coaches, and, and he allows us to do that.
3: You know, two big defensive signings we made this offseason um, Mustafa Dumbaya and AJ Cochran. Um, tell me a little bit about what they bring to the table and how they round out the defense.
4: I actually played with Mustafa at Crystal Palace. That's how I I knew him, and um, he's a very quick, attack-minded, aggressive defender who just loves to go forward. And you know, we obviously lost Saad Abdul Salam, uh, Devante De Bose left us, and it was a it was a, a hole that needed filled with with a quality player. And you know, I identified Mustafa straight away. He actually came out mid summer last season, um, before I came back on trial and. Uh, at, the, at that time, it, it didn't work out, but you know, he left a, an impression on Rick and the staff to to call again and see if he still wanted to come out here. And he's been he's been magnificent. And not only is he a, he's a very very good talent in fullback, but he's a he's a great guy off the pitch. And that's one of the is the kind of character that we want to bring into this uh, dressing room to enhance and. Um, and make other players better, uh, both like I said on and off the pitch. And AJ was, you know, the kind of a the missing piece in the a left-footed centre-half. You know that the hard to come by. And I'd watched a lot of film on him at Atlanta last season. And his ability to pass up from the back is as good as I can see in the MLS, never mind the USL. And um, he's by no means a finished article. Um, I and we need to do a, a lot of work with him defensively and and enabling him to. To hopefully get back to the next level, but he's, these two are guys who we we identified early doors, and you know, lucky
3: enough, the ownership group were uh, helping to bringing them here. One thing I noticed, especially in the Minnesota United friendly, there was such an emphasis on building out of the back this season, and that's a little bit different than when you were playing. Has that been something that was really focused on over the off season?
4: Yeah, 100%. We want to be a bring an attacking style of football. I would like to say likes the Barcelona and Man City I don't think anybody's ever going to get to that level but you know that kind of brand that's what we're looking for we want to entertain fans and you know you're not really going to get entertained if you're just booting it upfield all the time so we're, we're trying to build out and you know the, this pre-season it's about trying to imprint that philosophy onto the players we know that they're going to make mistakes we know that it's a work in progress and it's not, and it's going to take time to develop but giving the guys the tools they all to to both play out like they can and uh, and uh, to you know, when we have to go kind of long, we have to go long. Being able to master both of them is something
3: that you know we're looking to to do over work, or work on over pre-season. Do you see this uh, this managerial career taking shape over the years? Like, do you see yourself being a uh, manager one day? Uh,
4: to be honest with you, no, it's not. Um, it's not something for me at this moment in time. I'm. I'm I went back to Newcastle. I worked with the young under-13s, uh, and that was great. And now working as assistant to Rick, I'm just loving it. Um, Rick allows me the freedom to express myself as a coach, and you know he deals with the day-to-day pressures of being a manager. And uh, and seeing how he handled last season, um, you know the playoff run, uh, it was it was you know nothing short of inspirational or how he dealt with things. But from a personal point of view. I just enjoy just standing in the backgrounds and, and helping him as a manager.
3: What's something fun that fans might not know about you? About me? Yeah. Um, oh, good question. Um,
4: Always like to end things on a fun note. Yeah. We have, I, Okay, being a defender, I have a love-hate relationship with the goalies. Um, you know, it's a big catchphrase of mine is, uh, is catch it. You know, every time they drop it in training, I'm always shouting at them, and we have a we have a bit of banter. Um, other than that, it, I don't know. It's quite it's, you have to kind of know me to understand that, and I, I don't want to reveal all.
0: All right, I'll leave you be for now. All right, <laughs> brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you.